Hello and welcome everyone to the Teacher Parent Garden Club. My name's Lee Connolly, your host, the Skinny Jean Gardener, that's, that's me also. Uh, and welcome to the show. If you're an OG of the podcast, then you'll know that this is not the usual start. Although last week we did start something totally different. We brought a whole new vibe, I felt, to the podcast. And thank you very much to everybody that uh, got in contact and said they enjoyed that. Uh, more of that coming up next week. Not getting rid of it this week, but obviously that podcast come out on the Friday. On the Thursday, I've obviously recorded it before then. On the Thursday, we had the news about the Queen, which uh, did change everything. I didn't uh, change the output of that podcast, but this week I felt like, as we are in uh, in mourning, um, I felt like maybe we should do a special uh, on the Queen, and uh, I will be talking about it in this podcast there'll be some gardening tips also and also a fantastic interview with uh, the queen's gardener himself the legend that is mr jim buttress uh, so that's coming up plus olive uh, obviously a little bit of a different vibe um and uh, no jokes uh, in this week's podcast because uh, you know of, of what's happened obviously but uh but you know there'll be a lot of ums and ahs as i as i start my way through and yeah i think we think together everyone together we can do it uh if this is your first time listening to teacher parent garden club then thanks for joining us uh enjoy this podcast and listen back to the almost 500 episodes if you get time um or just make sure you subscribe and Look forward to next week's podcast, uh, which comes out every Friday. Um, so this is the Queen special with the Queen's very own gardener and myself and Olive. Welcome to the Teacher Parent Garden Club, the Queen special. So a very different vibe on this week's podcast uh, for reasons that I just went into. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This week on the show, we have Jim Buttress, the Queen's very own uh, gardener in the sense that he worked for the Royal Parks. He did Buckingham Palace. He did all the Royal Parks. Uh, and we did this interview uh, well back in 2009. So you probably may have missed it if you're very new to the podcast. That's coming up later on. Now, obviously... Uh, you know, it's very, it's a very, it's very difficult to do a podcast, an upbeat podcast, uh, at the moment. And I didn't realise how affected by the Queen's uh, passing I would be. I didn't actually realise. As soon as I heard it, I, I burst into tears. I, I don't know why. I've never seen the Queen. I've never met the Queen. But I burst into tears. And I cried so much on that Thursday. And I don't, I can't, I don't know why. I know I'm not alone here. Maybe you're one of them people as well. The same. Maybe maybe you're actually sitting there saying you don't get it all. And that's fine. That's all right. I... I don't know. My, my, my great nan, the, the only... In my own personal family, the only time 
I've experienced death is my great nan. That was probably 12 years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. Maybe actually it was longer, maybe it was 15 years ago. And I was young then, and I didn't know how to handle grief in that sense. And it's not in instilled in, in our family to handle that, right? And I'm a bit older, and then this comes along. I feel like it really affected me. It really did. It really did affect me. I was really upset about it. Uh, to the point that, actually, me and Olive uh, and uh, Sam, my wife, we all went into London last night. Uh, Olive went to school, obviously, and we went into London and to pay our respects. And I wasn't going to do it. If I'm honest with you... Uh, I like going to London, but when there's something like this has happened, I feel like, oh my gosh, like crowd, a lot of crowds, a lot of people. Um, I, I knew that I couldn't do it during the day. I knew I couldn't, but I thought in the evening, it might be a bit quieter. Um, and I wanted to pay my respects. I wanted to be, I wanted to do something. There was something that, I do a podcast called The Diver's Engine Gun. Every day I do a little 10 minute bit. And the difference between me on uh, the Monday and the Tuesday, the day in between me going, was significant because I was I, I feel like now I've been to London, I pay my respects. That I don't know, like I've done my bit, and be, and maybe someone said to me when we were there, someone said, "It's it's like being part of history. You feel like you you need to go. You need to be there, and and just." It's very difficult to describe in words. So it just makes it very difficult on a podcast to talk about. Uh, but we went to Green Park. Saw the incredible flowers that had been laid. The the millions and the millions. Are just so many flowers. And they've done an incredible job um, setting them out. And it was so quiet. It was so quiet. There was obviously no traffic going about. Because uh, they closed a lot of the roads off. That area usually quite a bit of a hustle and bustle. But a very, very quiet, very subdued. Um, in the evening, it was quite nice. We didn't have to queue up or nothing. We just walked in. Olive had her flowers that she bought with her. She'd done a, a little picture of the Queen. And we just walked around and just read some messages from other people. And it was just one of those things where everybody there was for the same reason everyone was there to pay their respects in the way that they they could um everyone felt the same it was a time where everyone in that air everyone there had the same opinion everyone had the same thoughts about it you know I felt I felt like when when we had the pandemic that everyone was going through we were all going through the same thing and I talked about it on the podcast before we were all going through the same thing but during that we also had people who didn't agree with it and that's fine we're not all going to agree together but at that point at Green Park we're walking around these flowers looking at the displays that have been set up with the flowers that have been brought to mark the passing of the queen and we we're, and we we're all all there for the same reason it was, it was really surreal if i'm honest with you it was really surreal um and then we went to buckingham palace and just 
stood. And I've been to Buckingham Palace many times in my life. And it was very different. We just stood, looked at Buckingham Palace and just, you know, Oliver was asking questions. Is that where the Queen stood? Which one's her bedroom? And we, we spoke to people. Obviously met people from Essex. You can't, you know, we get everywhere, us Essex. And, um, yeah, it was definitely made me feel connected to the whole situation and I don't know like maybe helped with grief it's very weird to be talking like it's about somebody that is not in my family but has been a a figure that has always been there in my entire life my 34 years on this planet the queen has always been there and um yeah a very surreal um experience which I'm sure a lot of us are going through uh, this week, as always on the podcast, I got Olive on to chat about it, and uh, and this is what Olive thought. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where we chat to my good friend and daughter, Olive. How you doing, Olive? You right? Yeah. How uh, has your week been? Good. Good? Been alright at school? Yeah. Yeah? Have you done anything interesting? Um, I learnt about the Romans and now I'm really good at Spanish because yesterday we done some Spanish at school. Would you like her to give us some Spanish? Um, adios. Adios? Well, she could say it at the end. That's goodbye, isn't it? Yeah, that's fine. Hola. Hola is hello. Um, bueno tardes is is um, is good afternoon. Right. Bueno dias is good morning. Mm-hmm. Bueno nocho is good afternoon. Brilliant. I mean, good, good night. Um, um, and gracias is thank you. More Spanish coming up next week. Um, Olive, the reason we've got you here today is because uh, where do, do you want to tell the listener where we went yesterday? Um, we went to London after school. And what happened? And we went to Buckingham Palace and Green Park and I laid some flowers and a little picture for the Queen. What did you think about it all? I thought it was really nice. What about all the flowers you saw? It was really good. I liked um, the one that was a glass and then the Queen in it. Oh, yeah, there was like a glass mm. picture. Yeah. And, uh, and what about all the flowers? Well, they were really pretty, and also, um, what was it? There's like a crown one too I liked. Oh yeah, they laid about all in like different shapes, didn't they? Yeah, and I wrote a letter and on the back. I'm not sure anyone would see on the back, but I done a queen picture and a um, also a note. <laughs> 
And um, how do you feel about <coughs> the Queen? What was your thoughts from yesterday going to London and the Queen? Um, the first thing was on the news on the news yesterday. They were filming in Green Park yeah. on ITV News, um, and I thought they were gonna start go up to me, Dad and Mum, and say, "Would you like to talk on the news?" <laughs> <laughs> But what do you think about the Queen? What what was your thoughts about the Queen? Um Well I'm a bit sad that she died, but I did like a lot of the things. A lot what do you mean? Flowers. And also I think outside Buckingham Palace where all the lights just shine up yeah. <clears throat> where they shine up in the castle. It looks really pretty. It looks really pretty. Well, you glad you went? Yeah. It was a late night, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was worth it. I did fall asleep in the car, though. Yeah, of course you were going to fall asleep. It was late by the time did we were back. Did you stop at McDonald's? No. <laughs> Can we talk about that after this? Oh, yeah. But no, we didn't. We just drove straight past. But okay. Thanks for mentioning that. Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you what the night forgot. Anything else you want to say to the audience this week? Um. You say something. You always get me talking, you never have to really talk. Yeah, because this is your bit. This is when yeah, but still, you say what you've enjoyed this week. I've enjoyed, um, well, I did enjoy going yesterday. I thought it was it was something that we'll remember forever to go and pay our respects to the Queen and something that maybe you'll talk about to your children and your grand. When you're an old lady, you say, oh, I went to go and pay my respects when the Queen died. my granddaughter or grandson. Yeah, it's crazy, eh? Mm. Well, thanks for coming on this week, Olive, onto the podcast. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. Bye. <clears throat> thanks to Olive for coming on the podcast. Every week, Olive comes on, gives her little thoughts about what she's up to and stuff. Uh, it's very difficult even as a parent. I found this. I don't know if you have any parents out there, and teachers as well, uh, felt this. But I, I don't know how the teachers... I must ask her about if it's been brought up in school because she's not She's not mentioned it. She's not mentioned it being talked about at school. And... Um, as a parent, it's very difficult to describe. She, on our tally, all we've had on is about this. That's all we've had. And she sat there and she watched me and her mum cry about it. How as a parent do you explain that? She just doesn't understand why we have tears running down our cheeks about a lady who, you know, doesn't come round for a Sunday roast or doesn't come over for a barbecue. You know, we don't, like, have a a birthday cake ready for her each year. She had two she had two birthdays, the Queen, unbelievable. Um how do you explain that to a child that um that that's why you're upset? Very difficult thing. Um but I think going to London maybe maybe a bit more real for her and for us and we could explain a little bit about it. But there you go. So um that's what went on there. Now uh, that's what went on there. Uh, this week on the podcast, I saw this as an opportunity to put out 
a uh, a part of an episode that I recorded with Mr. Jim Buttress. Now, I've known Jim for quite a few years now, uh, pretty much since the start of my career. In fact, Dale, uh, my brother, when we first started Team New Ghana, um, we got a gig. We got a gig at Gardener's World. And that was obviously seven years ago because that year for Gardener's World, my daughter Olive was born. And I couldn't go. And Dale had to do talks. And Jim always remembers Dale and always asked about him and supported Dale through that. It was very early in our career. It was really nice. And I saw Jim actually this year. I saw him at Hampton Court. It was really nice to see him going about judging still. I mean, he's an absolute legend um, uh, to have. And to have him on the podcast. He's such a nice guy. Uh, and I was really proud of this. Uh, if you don't know who Jim is already, is, uh, I'm reading this straight off his website. It's the official with it. He's a renowned horticulturist spent his lifetime in horticulture. He's seen on TV a really great program called The Big Allotment Challenge. don't know if you remember uh, The Big Allotment Challenge. It was a while ago. Great program. Uh, but he was um, what I always called the Royal Gardener. Because uh, he ended up in the Royal Parks in London. And was responsible for High Park, St James Park, Clarence House and... Buckingham Palace. Um, and I, this is an opportunity to put this little bit of audio out from that podcast um, of that interview that I did with Jim, who I call the Royal Gardener. He calls himself the People's Gardener, but he is the Queen's Gardener. So uh, here's a little bit of that conversation that I had with Jim. That's all it is. Don't worry, it's not like a camera, it's not like a secret camera. It's just audio. It's like radio, but yeah. on a phone. So you just have to speak. <laughs> I knew when I had to explain this to you. I'm <laughs> glad you didn't, I am. Um, so you're going to ask me a question. I'm going to try and ask you a question, but my things are like more like a conversational thing. So I'm like hoping that you're going to absolutely give me some absolute gold. Right. In story form. And what are we... Uh, what are we? Uh, so we can talk about anything about gardening. Like, if I just sat here and just asked you, how did you get into gardening? Yeah. And then we'll go f- from there. Yeah, you okay. Don't tell me your whole... No, no, I, I'll pray shit down. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, you, how did you first get into gardening? How did it uh, well, basically, for me, it started when I was about five. Um, we lived in a place called Hayward Seath in Sussex. Dad was a mad keen gardener, had an allotment, gave me a patch. Um, he used to get me to do little jobs. He wouldn't give us pocket money. No. So the money that we um, got for ourselves was by doing work. He always believed that if you earn it, son, you'll respect it. Yeah. And it just developed from there. So I never really had a, a yearning to be inside. I just wanted to be outside with me little plants and everything. Um, I had this weird obsession of collecting catalogues. Every week I'd send off for a different plant catalogue. My Christmas presents would be a watering can or a packet of seeds. So you get the idea. Yeah. That's all I want to do. So when I went to first school, when I was five, um, that was a major shock. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be in a classroom. I wasn't interested. Um, the teachers were mainly nuns who I didn't like, and they didn't like me. 
Um, and then they did me a favour. In order to keep the rest of class quiet, I got put in the wall garden. Oh, that's good. So instead of going to class to learn to read and write, I went to help the gardener out picking beans and what have you. Oh, nice. That's, that's like a really interesting way of... Well, I think that's the best way to get into gardening if you're like brought into it such a... Oh, area. absolutely. And, and as I say, the more I did it, the more I got obsessed by it. When I went to my second school... Um, oh, and by the way, I got kicked out of the convent, so um, that wasn't a great start. <laughs> and my second school lasted until I was 15 and a half, and then they kicked me out. <laughs> so I then started gardening, so I had my own little rounds. Right, okay, yeah. And Dad had made me a cart to put on a tie on the back of me bike, and off I went with me tools and did bits and pieces. I loved it. Um, and Dad said to me one day, son, he said, you can't earn a living doing this. You've got to get some more education. So I went and worked for the, my first boss. It was a nursery. We grew about 70,000 roses, which he taught me to bud, to graft, and everything. We did alpines, trees, shrubs, oh, wow. bedding plants, the whole lot. And I've often said, I mean, this was 15 and a half, and now I'm 73. If I'd have stayed there for the rest of my life, it wouldn't have worried me. No. I, I had no ambition to go to the top, to make money, I just enjoyed what I did. Yeah, that's good. At any rate, Bill then insisted I got a bit of wider education with a possibility that I might be accepted as a student at Wisley College to do the diploma. So I then had two years at the local um, parks department and consequently a totally different type of environment. Yeah. You know, um, we were digging graves, uh, we were marking football pitches, cricket tables, bowling greens and, oh. and preparing them. So armed with the, all the um, information and what I'd learnt at Bill's, um, then Bill applied for me to possibly be a student, and that would be 1965. And unbelievably, I mean, I, I'd just come off the tools. Yeah. Most of the other students who were applying had been to Ascombe, Bryant, Pershaw, so they were, if you like, institutionalised into a college education. Yeah. I've just been working <laughs> flat out on hands and knees. At any rate, unbelievably, I got in there oh, wow. and did the two-year diploma. Needless to say, I failed that as well. 60% um, was the pass and I got 58. <laughs> so the only qualification I got to my name is my cycling proficiency <laughs> test. I got nothing else. But came out of that went and did my first serious job with a salary, you know, a cheque, and um, had to wear a jacket and tie, was with the Greater London Council, housing maintenance. And that was hard graft. Yeah. I mean, the guys that were there, they just basically cut grass around these big housing estates, hedges. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise, but part of my job was to deal with evictions what? and travellers. You've got travellers come on to one of the big greens owned by the GLC. I don't know, it, they gave it to us to clear them, oh along with the bailiffs, the police. I thought, well, why the hell did I study horticulture to be a bouncer? <laughs> and I needed that skill as well. I'd done a bit of boxing, so I wasn't slow in coming forward. Uh, with the staff we had, they didn't want to work. No. They weren't interested in it. Unions. I'd heard of them, but I'd never come across them because you need to in the other two jobs I'd done. They were stroppy. But I think the best thing about it was I was there for nine and a half years. It taught me how to work with people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
let's face it, everybody wants to rise to the top too quickly. And if you haven't got that background of dealing with staff, if that's what you're going to do, you know, and you can't back off, yeah. there's no good saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, just carry on. No. So then I got, um, well, a lucky break. Somebody had said there were vacancies with the Royal Parks. And I had 25 years, so I looked after Hyde, Ken, St James's, Buckingham Palace, Clarence House, and back in real horticulture. Yeah. We did, um, we set up exhibits at Chelsea Flower Show, we had apprentices, and you think of all the ceremonies that take place in London. I lived on the site, it was fantastic. Um, and then that was the first 10 years, and then the last 15, I was in charge of Greenwich. So Greenwich okay. Park, Naval College, Maritime Museum. So I'm a very, very lucky lad. But unfortunately, very much the norm now, but it was a breakthrough. The government of the day, which was Conservative government under the late Margaret Thatcher, decided to privatise everything. Right. So instead of hands-on, I was going to be taught to use um, fax machines and mobile phones and computers. And I'm still proud to say I'm a complete dinosaur. <laughs> what I'm doing here with you now, I haven't got a clue. But anyway, <laughs> apart from we're mates and it's nice to sit here and chat. The lovely, We're actually down at a place called um, uh, Ford Abbey. And both Lee and I are doing a, a show here for um, Toby Buckland. Mm. And again, that's another example of how lucky we are. Yeah. Horticulture is a very small profession. You won't be a millionaire. But if that's your bent, then you couldn't be happier. Yeah, sure. And the thing with horticulture, it's a very friendly pro profession. Yeah. Everybody wants to help everybody else and so on and so forth. So um, I had a wonderful crack. And in the end, I realised operating machines was not for me. And um, I managed to secure the pension and the lump sum at 52. Okay. So I've been retired now 21 years. Um, and as so often happens with a lot of people, when you retire, you're twice as busy as when you have a day job. Yeah. So all the things that I do now, the shows, I judge, um, I do these talks and walks and, oh, you name it, it's still all connected with horticulture. And at the end of the day, I said, how many people can boast their hobby paid them a living? Yeah, that's true. So I've been a very, very lucky lad. Well, yeah. And anybody's thinking of doing it, don't think bigger than what you can do at the moment. Just slowly graft away. If it's what you love, it'll come. Yeah. There's no question of that. It's, it's, like, it's interesting because you, really, so if you've got no real, obviously you've done the courses, but no yeah. actual paper work to say it's ticked off, but still you've managed to get a career from it. Well, the thing about it is, Lee, that, uh, and I don't begrudge anybody who does university and gets a qualification, but what happens when they do? They yeah. can't get a job. Yeah. And not everybody is an academic. Right. I mean, I, I admire, and I think it's brilliant, the ones that do and get on in that way. But there's a lot of young people out there, boys and girls, no different to me, have a particular passion. If you've got a passion, then follow it. Yeah. Don't suddenly think, as a lot of people, oh, no, 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 gardening, you don't want to do that. That's very lowly pay. No, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And I did it. And, um, and the other thing is, through doing it, you meet so many other people, and there's another little gateway, yeah. and there's another, and you hadn't had to go and bang on somebody's shoulder and say, "Don't forget me." Yeah. They see you. Yeah, it's all about 
it's an experience, I suppose, isn't it? Exactly, and um, you can't beat that. No. I mean, when I started with Bill, washing pots, we had to clean the toilet every week, you know, when I went to the parks department, washing pots, clean the toilet every <laughs> week. And then, would you believe it, when I went to Wisley, washing pots, I didn't have to clean the toilet. <laughs> And slowly, you get the right way to do it. And once you've got it, you never forget it. Yeah, true. A slipshod approach will see you d go backwards. Yeah. But if you know how, when you're um, uh, putting your tools away, they're all stacked up, they're cleaned. When you work in the greenhouse, you clean up after you've done, and so on and so forth. Yeah. All of it, you get that embrained in you, and you never, ever forget it. Yeah. And there you go, everyone. That was an interview. If you really try and go back through the podcast, like I say, we've got about 500 episodes on this podcast. Uh, you can listen to the full uh, episode with Jim. But um, what a great guy. Um, what a legend. And um, imagine being the Queen's gardener. Being able to say, you were the gardener at Buckham Palace. That is like a dream. It's a dream for me just to even walk in to the gardens of Buckingham Palace and just enjoy them. Do you know what I mean? Can you do that? I must look. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, now the King's. Now the King's garden, obviously. Um, so there you go, everybody. Uh, all those flowers, all those flowers that are, have been left um, at Buckingham Palace, uh, you know, at Green Park, the amount of trees that were just swarmed with flower hundreds and hundreds of flowers um we'll all um obviously lay there for everyone to come and, and look and pay their respects um and but i want to know what would actually happen to those flowers uh, and being a gardener podcast i tried to find an angle into uh into this story and uh i found that when um when Diana passed, um, many, many, 25 years ago, I think it was now, uh, all of the flowers from the, that time were composted. And I believe that all of the flowers that are um, are being taken into London now will also be composted and used to grow new flowers and plants uh, in, obviously, some of the royal parks. And I think that's an incredible... Um, full circle for that sort of thing they won't all be dumped I saw on the news that people were saying and you know what social media is like oh they're just going to dump them in the bin they're not going to do that which is, is great they're all going to be composted Um, which we need to remember as well maybe that is something that uh, I don't know if it would ever work in schools but having a composter is so important one of the schools that we talk about a lot Ashton Keynes um, they have an amazing composter. And maybe perhaps you could get kids to bring in stuff to school to compost. Maybe there's enough stuff in school already. But composting is an amazing activity. In fact, that's something we do on the School Garden Success Plan is talk about composting. Uh, but at home as well, you can get amazing little composters. You don't even have to spend a lot of money. You can even make your own. Um, so have a look see if you can compost but i just wanted to talk about maybe we'll do a more of a podcast on composting in the future if you really fancy it but uh, i really 
I'm happy to see that those flowers will have a new life and and um, and won't just be thrown in the bin, which is is a great thing. One of the things I've also seen is some amazing people going and taking all the plastic off. Why are we still uh, buying flowers with plastic? I think after this period and time, that will be a question that is brought up that we need to be a little bit more uh, thoughtful in that sense. A lot of plastic being used for flowers and it's great to see people uh, taking those plastic off the plants. It's great to see as well as you go into Green Park, they have a team who will take that off for you. So it means that we're all thinking a little bit more about the planet. So before we end this podcast, I felt like it was only right that perhaps, you know, before we end, I should I should say, hey, if if you feel the same as me, if you feel maybe you're not sure how to feel about this, maybe you've got a story you want to tell, then I'd love to hear from you. But also, if you would, with me right now, on this podcast, whatever you're up to, maybe you're in the garden, gardening, maybe you're, you know, doing something around the house, maybe you're just in the car, I just want to have a a minute silence, if that's okay. Just have a thought. And I think, maybe, about the Queen. This situation, this, this, this thing that we're trying to make sense of and trying to explain to our kids... Or maybe just to ourselves. Thanks very much for listening to the Teacher Parent Garden Club and I will speak to you same time next week.